Well, Merry Christmas, Coastal. How you guys doing this evening? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Christmas Eve services. We're so glad that you're with us. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're, we're pumped about today. We're, we're getting ready to start a new series on January 7th. It's called Expand. I want to invite you personally to come and be a part of our services on January 7th. We have uh, two locations, one in Pompano Beach, one here in Coconut Creek and soon to be Parkland. And uh, God is doing some great things. And I believe that this next year, God wants to do some incredible things in your life. He wants to stretch you. He wants to take you to places you've never been before. And uh, we, we want to help be a part of seeing God do those things in your life. So join us on, on January 7th for that. And, uh, but I, I love Christmas Eve services. This is a great time to celebrate. Christmas is one of those magical times of the year, and, and I think one of the reasons it's so magical is because it has so many great elements involved with it. I mean, you got, you got your family, you got friends, you've got faith, you've got presents involved, and so anytime you have the combination of all of those things, it just creates some, some really incredible, incredible moments, and so, uh, but, but I do have a couple of questions for you guys today. Anybody here still have shopping to do? Your Christmas tomorrow. Okay, this is the this is the first crowd that didn't have people that are still needed to go shopping after this. That's that's positive. Uh, my second question, which is just as important, is is when do you open gifts? Do you have, are, are are there people that are Christmas Eve people here, or are we Christmas Day people? So, by show of hands, how many of you guys you you open gifts Christmas Eve? That's what your family tradition is. Okay, quite a few. Some kids are like, yeah, we're gonna do that this year, and so. Uh, how many of you guys, you're, you're Christmas Day kind of people, Christmas Day people, raise your hands. Okay, okay, it's kind of, this is kind of 50-50 service. Most services have been, uh, you know, mostly Christmas Day kind of people. I, I love my family. We did Christmas Eve, and so Christmas Eve is kind of the, the tradition for me. So, do, so does anybody want a gift here today? Anybody? Uh, any, any, who, whoever gets here first will get a gift. Okay, you got here first. Uh, here you go. Oh, man, yeah, sorry. No, I had one gift. I had one gift. Only, Only one gift. The rest are empty boxes. It's deceptive, isn't it? I'm so deceptive. Man, you're persistent, too. I don't, I'm the Grinch this year. I know. It was like you got you to gotta hustle a little bit faster there. But, uh, but, but we always open up gifts on Christmas Eve and... Uh, you know, and, and sometimes you'd get, you'd get some gifts and you're like, man, why, why, why did I get that? And uh, I remember one year I got like the worst gift ever uh, on, on Christmas Eve. Uh, does, does anybody remember this? Rubik's Cubes. Man, this is like the worst gift ever because uh, I, I got this probably when I was seven or eight years old and I still can't do the Rubik's Cube. Uh, is there anybody in here that can do the Rubik's Cube? Is there anybody smart enough? Uh, yeah, nobody looks super confident in that. Somebody has their hands raised. I, 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 so somebody else has their hands raised back there. Susie, hey, give somebody a shot at this. We had a kid like last service do it in like 40-something seconds. Uh, so he was way smarter than I ever was. Um, and I just want to see what it looks like when it's actually finished because I, I haven't gotten to experience that. But you know, the, the thing about Christmas gifts is sometimes there, there's some bad gifts. In fact, Jimmy Fallon actually had people hashtag worst gifts ever recently in one of his episodes, and, and so people were tweeting in some of the worst gifts they've ever received on Christmas, and I, so I thought we'd take a look at a couple. It says, last Christmas, my brother got me a Justin Timberlake autograph. 
This year I found out he just edited it on the photo. Worst gift ever. It's a terrible gift. Uh, another one says this. He says, I once got a pack of batteries with a note on it that says toy not included. <laughs> Worst gift ever. You got to admit, that would be terrible to just get a pack of batteries and say toy not included. What would be even worse than that is if <laughs> the batteries were used. And so uh, here's another one. Uh, one time my grandma gave me a portable urinal from Goodwill. Not only is that a terrible gift, but that's just gross. Uh, and then this one, this one I thought was interesting. My sister gave me a Furby. As if that wasn't bad enough, she proceeded to tell me what it's, tell me that it's because I look like a Furby. Worst Christmas gift ever. And so uh, those are some, some bad gifts that are out there. But this is what I know is that, you know, growing up, all of us wanted and longed for something. All of us were looking, we're anticipating like the best gift ever that year. And I actually did some research this year and I went back in some generations. And if you were born in the 60s, uh, there's a good chance that the gift that you probably would have wanted more than any other gift was this thing called the Etch-A-Sketch. The Etch-A-Sketch came out in the 60s. It's one of the hottest, most popular gifts that are out there. Parents, you want to mess with your kids? Go buy this and give them to them. Because they'll be like, the touch screen isn't working. <laughs> You'll be like, it's the knobs. You know what the best thing about the Etch-A-Sketch was? Is there would always be somebody that was really awesome at it. You'd be like, oh, check out this beautiful picture. Oh, let me see that. You know, <laughs> how awesome is that? Anyways, uh, the Etch-A-Sketch, if you were maybe born in the 70s, uh, growing up, you would have desired something like this as a Christmas gift. The Millennium Falcon, Star Wars, any Star Wars fans in the house? And so, man, I mean, you, you get a Millennium Falcon, I mean, like, you're the coolest kid on the block at that point. It's like, I don't know what you do with this, but you got it. Uh, and so that would have been a, a, a really, really great gift. If you're a product of the 80s like I am, if you're a child of the 80s, then this would have been the best gift ever during the 80s. An original Nintendo. This is like this is like gold right here. I'm just telling you this. To try to find one of these this week uh, was the hardest thing. But like this was the ultimate gift. Like mom, dad, all I want for Christmas is the Nintendo NES. Such awesome graphics. <laughs> so many buttons on the controller. Two of them is amazing. And then you know you had to get some some cool games. You had to get something like Contra or the Legend. Zelda, you know, and no matter what Nintendo said, when your game stopped working, we all did the same thing, didn't we? We all did it, <laughs> and it worked then, didn't it? It, it? it all of a sudden it worked, and then then when the the little button to keep it down stopped working, what'd you do? You double stacked them, right? Double stacked the games. I mean, it was incredible. Product of the '80s. This is what I all what I know. Um, all of us had different dreams growing up of what that dream gift was. Maybe for some of us, it's an iPad or an iWatch. For, for others of us, maybe it was a Barbie doll or, or an Easy Bake oven. For others, uh, it, it could have just been something as simplistic as a Razor scooter or a Cabbage Patch doll. It doesn't matter what that gift was. We all had this anticipation and this desire for it. But the one thing that I've noticed is that as I get older, my Christmas hopes and my Christmas dreams and my Christmas aspirations, they, they start to change. Has anybody else noticed that? It's, I'm not looking for the same things that I used to look for 
at Christmas time. In fact, my desires have changed a lot. They've become a lot more intangible rather than a tangible gift. And for a lot of us that are adults in here, maybe, maybe your wish this Christmas is that maybe there would just be a little bit more happiness in your home this Christmas or a little bit more forgiveness at the table or, or maybe that there would just be some peace on earth for once rather than chaos all around you. Maybe it would be that, that there would be a little less drama, maybe a little less stress, maybe a little less pressure and a little bit more love. And the good news is today is that those kind of gifts are the gifts that God wants to give each and every one of us this Christmas. In fact, if you were to go back and look at the very essence and life of Jesus, you realize that some of the greatest gifts that God wants to give each one of us are the gifts of love and joy and peace and understanding and eternal life and forgiveness and and that's really what God desires for each one of us to experience. And so today what I want to do is I want to go back to the very first Christmas. And, and I believe that the very first Christmas reveals the greatest gift that God could ever give to any of us. And the, and the greatest gift that Christmas isn't a present you're going to receive. It's God's presence that you can have living and active in your life, and, and you don't have to wait till Christmas morning to open it. You can actually have that gift right now. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to skip over to Luke chapter 2, which is basically the same story, and it says this in Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So you can imagine that the very first Christmas has a lot of drama happening in the midst of it. There's plenty of stuff that's flying around. There's a lot of mistrust that's in the air. And there's some heartbreak. And, and Joseph is listening to Mary tell him this story that she's quote-unquote, a virgin, but yet pregnant. And, and Joseph is probably like, man, I, I, was, I was born yesterday, but I wasn't really born yesterday. I'm like, who's going to believe that if you're a virgin, you're going to be pregnant? Like, that, that is, doesn't make any sense to me. And it, we're calling the Holy Spirit, maybe his name is John down the street now or something, and we just we gave him a nickname. But, like, I don't believe you. And because he was an honorable guy, he's like, hey, I don't want to disgrace you in front of everybody else. And so, He's, he's trying to back out of it because back in the day when somebody was engaged, it was like they were married, but without the intimacy with it. And so it was very uncommon for somebody to back out of an engagement in that time. And it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, the only way I would ever believe that some woman that told me she's a virgin was that as if an angel showed up and talked to me. And I don't know that I would trust a dream, but Joseph does. And it tells us that even if the circumstances are difficult and the situation is tough, the Christmas story reminds us that God's peace can still be present in the middle of some crazy 
radical circumstances that you may be facing. And God can still give you peace in the middle of that situation. And the thing that I love about peace is it's not just a gift for Joseph in that moment, but it's a gift that every single one of us can experience today. And, and, and so, you know, today, my hope for all of us is that we would open the gift of God's peace that's available to each and every one of us this Christmas. Now, a lot of times when we talk about gifts, we automatically talk about Santa, and we sing about Santa. Anybody remember the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Anybody remember that song? The, the kids' version, not the Santa Claus is Coming to the, not that like that one. The, you better watch out. What's he doing? He's, he's checking it. Okay, stop right there. Some of y'all are off beat, so well, first of all. But think about that. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. And you better watch out and you better not cry. Santa is a little freaky. <laughs> Santa's like a peeping Tom, like watching your life. It's a crazy thought. If you go on with the song, it says, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want Santa to know when I'm sleeping, when I'm awake. Sounds like he's part of the FBI, NSA, something. He's got something going on there, some spy stuff. Goes on to say, and he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good. For goodness sakes. You know, some people, they, they haven't figured out how, how to be good. In fact, I found this letter to Santa this week, and it says, Dear Santa, I've been good all year. Okay, most of the time. Okay, once in a while. Never mind, I'll go buy my own stuff. <laughs> some of you are like, that, that, that was my letter to Santa. You guys just need a moment or something down here? I just... Here's why I think it's important to reflect on Santa for just a moment. Because if we aren't careful, we'll mix up the Santa story with the Jesus story. I, I want you to hear me here. A lot of people see Jesus similarly, similarly to how we see Santa. In fact, if you were to go to the mall tonight and you were to walk around and ask people, how do I get to heaven? the overwhelming majority of people would tell you this answer. Well, you just got to be a good person. You just got to be a really, really, if you're a good person, you're going to make it to heaven. In other words, if you're on the nice list, you make it to heaven. If you could accomplish being nice, then you're good. So you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. Because if you're good, then you're going to be on the nice list and you're going to make it to heaven. And I, I totally get that way of thinking, but the only challenge to that way of thinking, unfortunately, is the Christmas story. And that's why the Christmas story is so, so important for every one of us to remember, is it because Jesus came and was birthed by a, a virgin, and he lived on this earth a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and then rose again three days later so that you and I could have life. Now, if you think about that, 
Jesus was the only one that qualified for the nice list. You know what list we qualified for? We are all on the naughty list. We're all jacked up, messed up, got issues, got problems. So the reason he died is so that you and I could be forgiven. He said, listen, I'll take on all the naughty stuff so that you can be on the nice list. And all we have to do is reflect on our life and realize that, man, we don't technically qualify for the nice list. Because we all have regrets. We all have some things that we've screwed up with in life. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. In fact, 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And in a lot of ways, we can get Santa and Jesus mixed up. But the good news is, is that Jesus' message is way different than Santa's message. The good news is, is that Jesus knows that you'll never be good enough. And so he says, you know what? I'll be good enough for you. And listen, I know that you're going to end up on the naughty list if you just go through life. But you know what? I'll take your place on the naughty list so that you can be on the nice list. And so you can experience life and forgiveness and the ultimate gift of peace in your life. And ultimately, the greatest gift, eternal life. And what happens is, is God begins to move and work in your life, and you don't have to do it alone. In fact, one of the greatest promises in the Bible, it's, it's actually a promise that is repeated more than any other promise in God's word, is that God is with us. That his presence will be with us today, and that's good news for all of us here today, no matter what we've done or where we've been or what bad things have happened to us or what mistakes we've made, we know that we can go and we can open the gift of God's peace here today. Not only that, but we can also open the gift of God's help. We can open the gift of God's help. And one of the things that we, we overlook a lot of times in the Christmas story is the situation that Jesus was born into. It wasn't the ideal situation. Not only was there drama in the family and they were traveling, but it was just some really, really crazy circumstances. And maybe some of you can relate to that. You're about to embark later this evening or tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon into some crazy, extenuating circumstances that you don't really have any control over. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, there were, uh, the time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now think about this situation. Here's Joseph, he's having to travel to a foreign land, which they did not do in those days. Most people would never leave their place of birth. He's having to travel from where his descendants are. Not only that, but he's traveling with a woman who is pregnant from somebody else, God. Just think about that. And they're traveling a far distance. She's about to give birth. When they get there, she's like, you better get me a room. And there's no room available. The only room that's available is a manger. Like, it is a messy, nasty situation that they found themselves in. 
And what that tells me is, is that our God, in, in spite of everything that may be going on around our lives, God is not afraid of your mess. God sent his son right into the middle of the biggest mess, not because he's afraid of your mess, but because he wants to answer your mess. He wants to get right up in the middle of, of maybe the junk that's flying around your family. He wants to get right in the middle of the drama. He wants to get right in the middle of the brokenness of maybe what's happening in your home. He's not afraid of any of those things. And so whatever your situation is today, Jesus wants to be right in the middle of it. Not only does he want to be right in the middle of it, but he wants to help that situation. He came for your mess. And let me tell you, he is with you in the middle of your mess. Now, what's interesting to me is that all throughout Scripture, you see God described through different ways and different names. And the different names that God is given have significance. And a lot of times we forget in the middle of our mess just how big and how great and how significant God is. And, and sometimes what we do is we try to put God in a box that we can understand and we can, we can comprehend. And so we, we limit his scope. We're like, God, this is what you can do. This is what you fit into. And God is so much bigger than that. And I thought one thing that we could do here today is I went through scripture this week, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but I just went through and I just pulled out some of the names of God and who he is for your life specifically in the middle of your mess. And so I just want to read some to you here today. It says, here is who God is. God is the mighty one, the Lord, the ruler, the supreme might, the Lord of angels' armies, the God who sees, the God who provides, the God who heals, the God who perfects. He is your peace, your rock, your stronghold, your rescuer, your redeemer, and your creator. The God who is ever-present, the God who is available. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the holy one, the tower of strength. He's the ruler, the king of glory, the ancients of days, and the father of lights, and the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the savior of all, the good shepherd. He is the faithful witness, the bright morning star, the lion of Judah, the lamb of God, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the head over all things. He is the way, the truth truth, the life, the door, the servant advocate, the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last, the alpha and omega. He is the king of all rulers of the earth. And listen, that's not an exhaustive list. That's just, that's just a partial list. What the Bible is trying to point out is that God is significant and he's bigger than your problems. He's outside of the categories that you can find him in. And he's God. And so when we think about Christmas, one of the most significant things is that he gave Jesus a specific name that I think is very relevant to us today. And it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, And she will have a son, and you are to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. See, not only is God the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last and the Prince of Peace, but he's also Emmanuel, God with 
us. And what that reminds us of is that God isn't so big that he's outside of the scope of of what you're going through. What it tells me is that God isn't removing himself from your problems. He wants you to be reminded that he gets right down in the middle of your problems. And he's there to help and to lead and to guide. It's a reminder that all of us, we don't have to do this journey alone. We don't have to feel like the situations that we're facing, that we're all alone in those those moments that we got to remember in those moments that God is bigger than your marriage, that God is bigger than your day, that God is bigger than your career. You got to remember that God is bigger than your depression. You got to remember that God is bigger than your stress you're facing right now, that God is bigger than your mother in law. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, we got a comedian back there. <laughs> Listen, he's not only in the first and the last, but he's present and he's available. We got to stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big and how great and how awesome our God is. And you can open the gift of God's help here today, and you can open the gift of God's peace and experience his presence like never before. But you can also open the gift of God's guidance. Now, if you've heard the Christmas story, you've heard the story of the three wise men, or in our case, the four wise guys. And, uh, but what we forget is that these guys were modern-day astronomers in time. They were, they were the NASA of their day. And the Bible actually says that these wise men or these kings were from Babylon. And if you were to actually check out the distance between where Mary and Joseph were in Babylon, it was about 750 to 900 miles. Scholars aren't exactly sure where in Babylon they were coming from, but it says in Matthew chapter 2, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw a child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, there's some things that we miss sometimes in just reading through the story that we hear every Christmas. These guys were literally from Babylon, which if you read throughout history, were the greatest adversaries to the Israelites. In fact, they, 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 were, they were outsiders when it would come to this idea uh, of God. They were p- people that were outside the religious establishment and they were they were not the kind of people that you would expect to show up and bow down and worship a baby, let alone a little Jewish baby. I mean that's just it's just not what they would have done. But because they were open in their hearts and in their lives what ends up happening is God ends up guiding them to this moment where they recognize the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And immediately what they do, they, they bow and they worship. Because they realize that that is the greatest gift in all the world. You know, it reminds me that that no matter where we are, how far away we feel, 
distance or how bad we've messed up. That if we'll open our hearts to God's guidance and God's work, that he can draw us in. That no matter how far outside the religious norm you feel, in fact, maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even know how I ended up in church. Like, I don't believe you're here by accident today. I believe that God has been leading and guiding and directing your steps for this moment, for this time. He's guiding you just like he guided these three wise men. He's letting you know that God's grace and his love is available to you. And I know what the pushback is, but TJ, you don't understand. You don't understand my background. I, I, I'm, I'm not a good person, I'm not a wise guy or a rich guy or have it all going on. You know, these guys, they were, they were the cream of the crop. They rose to the top in life. And, and so it, it was really easy for them to find Jesus. That's, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. Well, that's grace. Because God didn't actually come to the wise men first. He actually appeared first to shepherds who were the lowest of the low in the society, the class society within the, the Jewish community. And he shows up to them and he proclaims, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. See, God's guidance isn't just for some people. It isn't just for a specific group of people. It is for every single one of us to experience experiences bowing your knee and worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the creator of the heavens and the universe. You know, I'll never forget when I bowed my knee for the very first time. I wasn't a very wise like these guys were. In fact, I was in a pretty difficult moment in life. I'd just been kicked out of college I had found myself with an addiction to alcohol that was running in my family that I just picked up and was running with as well. And because of choices I had made, I had I'd pushed away everybody that loved me. And I was at a moment in, in time where, honestly, the drinking was my escape. It was an escape from my mistakes. It was an escape from my, my identity and my current reality. And I don't really know how or why I was in this place, but I remember I ended up at a church service, and after the church service, I was sitting out on this little bench, and a woman came and sat down next to me. She said, man, God has got a purpose and he's got a plan for your life. Doesn't matter how bad you've screwed up or how much you've messed up, man, God's still got something more for you. For some reason, that hit me like a ton of bricks and I couldn't shake it. I remember going home that night and remember being in my room and, and looking up at God and going, God, man, if you, if you got some sort of purpose for me and you can, you can take me to that, I will follow you. And that night, I 
I remember telling God, God, I'll follow you if you'll, if you'll direct me. Now, what's interesting is that my drinking problem didn't go away immediately. But what did happen in that room is there was a peace that came over my life that changed everything about my life. And over the next couple of weeks, I got plugged into a, a local church and I got surrounded by a group of guys that were encouraging me and building me up and pushing me closer to God. And all of a sudden, the opportunities to escape, my alcohol started to dwindle because I didn't want to escape anymore. I wanted to live with purpose. I wanted to live with some intentionality. And for the first time in my life, I was experiencing that kind of intentionality. I was experiencing that kind of life. And 21 years later, I can stand here today saying that, man, that is not a thing that holds me back anymore. And I'm living with intentionality and I'm living out with purpose and I live with peace because God is helping and God is guiding my life over and and over again. And everything I have in my life is because of his goodness and his mercy. And so people ask me, TJ, how are you doing? And, and almost every time I'll tell them, man, I'm doing better than I deserve. Because I remember who I used to be. And when God got me to that moment, I recognized who he was. And I bowed my knee and I worshiped. And my life has never, ever been that the same. And friends, you can experience that kind of joy. You can experience that kind of peace. You can experience that grace and that forgiveness and that love today. Not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus did. Because listen, the best gift in the world isn't going to be found underneath a tree tomorrow morning. The best gift in the entire world was hung on a tree 2,000 years ago. For you and for me. And I believe that church today, God wants to bring you that kind of hope. He wants to bring that kind of peace. He wants to bring that kind of help and that kind of guidance into your life. But it began 2,000 years ago when a child came as a baby, lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death so that you and I could have life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Friends, I want to give you an opportunity today to experience that life. Maybe you're here today and you've needed God's peace, God's help, God's guidance in your life. And, and those would be great gifts for you to open. And, and I want every single one of us here to experience those kind of gifts. But maybe today the gift that you need to open up more than any other gift is the gift of new life that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the creator of the universe sent his son to get all up in your peace. Not because he wants to call you out, but because he wants to help you out. And maybe there's somebody here, some bodies here that need to experience that today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you here today, don't miss your moment to bow and worship the creator of the universe. It starts with a simple prayer. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip your hand up real quick on the count of three. I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. If you'd pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, God, I come before you today as a, the day that you sent your son to save and to get in the middle of my mess. I ask you to come into my life today. I choose to follow you. Thank you for dying on a cross. Forgive me of my sins. God, I pray that you breathe new life into me today. Give me your peace. Give me your help. Give me your guidance. God, you're a God who loves us so much. We love you in Jesus' name.